Were you going to catch me? See you next fall. Hey, if you guys have your Bibles with you, let's open up to Book of Leviticus. Been excited about this part all week long. Check it out. If we've been going through, as we've been going through, went through the first uh, seven chapters. We we covered the offerings that were given. Then we began dealing with the priesthood and and what the priesthood was all about. Uh, and tonight we we got a couple different subjects. We'll start tonight uh, finishing up chapter ten or beginning in chapter ten. Anyway, we'll see. If we can make it all the way through chapter 12, we'll see what the Lord has for us. But in chapter 10, important subject that we really got to get our get a uh, grasp on. And it's something that takes place everywhere in every church all across the land. Anybody who's a part of ministry, whether it's ministry in children's ministry, whether it's worship ministry, where whatever it might be, an area in which the church is served or where you may serve in the church... 80% of the people involved in church that are a part of any kind of ministry burn out. And chapter 10 has a key to why that takes place. Chapter 10 has a key to why there are folks that face burnout. You know, it's been said it's better to burn out than fade away, but either way, you're out. So I don't know that either one is very good. What we want to learn to do, what we want to learn and how we want to learn to function is that we learn to function the power of Jesus Christ and we do the things God's called us to do. And we don't do the things that we look around and just see, well, there's a need, so I'm going to do this. If you're called, do it. If not, don't. But if we try to do things in our own strength, and we'll talk about some of that, we're going to find ourselves facing the same kind of things that we see in Leviticus chapter 10. Take a look at it. Leviticus 10, verse 1. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it. Nadab and Abihu. Now, guys, we want to remember what's going on. We'll just back up to chapter 9, verse 22. And Aaron lifted his hand toward the people and blessed them. Came down from the offering of the sin offering, the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and fire came out from before the offering and the fat of the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Hey, this is the first offering. They go up, they make the offering. They, they lay out those offerings there on the altar. They bless the people. They pray and God lights the fuse. Fire comes out of heaven, boom, ignites the altar, the altar is burning, the fire is set from that point forward. The children of Israel are always going to have the fire of God there in the place of the burnt altar. In the brazen altar, God gave the fire, right? God brought the fire, people fall down on their face, everybody's excited, everybody's really stoked, God's moving, we see his presence, we see all this stuff going on, and then Nadab and Abihu, they're so excited, they run and they grab their own censers, they grab these censers, censers is what they would use to burn incense, they grab that censer, look what it says, and they put fire in it and they put incense on it. And then they offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. 
These guys fill up their sensors. They're all excited, stoked. Maybe they're, they're, you know, just really thinking things are happening and they get so excited that they put strange fire. And what did God say? God said, you only bring to me fire from the altar, the fire that he ignited, the fire that's there. But they brought strange fire. And when they did, they died right before the Lord. Some commentators say when it says, when it, where it's speaking about as they came before the Lord, that they actually ran into the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies. They're so excited to, to do whatever it was that, that they had in their mind that they were going to do, but they did it wrong. They came to the Lord with profane fire, and they died right before the Lord. Now, when we look at this, one of the things that we always struggle with is we think Somebody dies, then they're burning in hell. They screwed up so bad they lost it all. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible just says he died. You remember when David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back and he didn't do it right? He was supposed to have the priest carry it, but he put it on a cart. And there was that, uh, that fellow named, uh, what was his name, Uzziah? That's not it. It's close to that, though. Something like that. Huh? Could be. It's you something. You crazy guy. Anyway, he's, he's sees that the ark is starting to, to stumble, reaches out and touches it. What happened to him? He died right there. But folks, it's not talking about separation from God. It's talking about attempting to do something that in a way that God has not called. How many ways are there to the Lord? One. One way. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. In the Old Testament, the Lord laid out a very prescribed set of circumstances that this must take place for you to come before me. So they may, they, they have the sin of presumption. They, they're excited. I, I mean, I don't even really know. Nobody really knows what was in their heart. Some people think they were drunk coming before the Lord. Other people, you know, whatever. The Bible tells they brought profane fire. They didn't bring the right fire. They came the wrong way, and God took their life. Now, we can go through Leviticus and we can say, but this has absolutely nothing to do with me. Or we can realize that that's the exact same thing that happens to people in the ministry year after year after year after year when they burn out. When they run out of juice. When they try to come before the Lord with profane fire and they are out of the game. The average life expectancy of any pastor in any church is two years. That's average. The average life expectancy in a church of a pastor is two years. Well, good news, folks. I, I served at JS for 15 years, so I'm above average, apparently. So, and I'm not planning on going anywhere. But the key is, what are, why are we there? What are we doing? Why are we serving? Why are we a part of ministry A, B, C, D? If you put it in wherever you want to go, we're excited. We want to come before the Lord. We want to serve But folks, if we're not doing something that God has called and equipped us to do, you will burn out. You'll gas. So God wants us to understand. He wants us to recognize. He wants us to see, make sure that we're bringing fire before the Lord as from the Lord. We're bringing the fire that he gave us, fire that's come out of heaven. If it didn't come from the altar, it shouldn't go before the Lord. What was the altar a picture of for us? The cross. 
The place of sacrifice, the place where Jesus offered himself. So let's think about it. I'm going into ministry. I want to serve the Lord. I want to do something for him. Most of the time, people say, I see a need. There's a need, and I need to go fill it. Here's an issue, and I need to go be the one to solve that issue. If that is your motivation, it's profane fire. You may feel an area of need because there is need, but you need... Your, your heart is all about the need. Your heart is all about the empty space. Your heart is all about the gap. I want to go and fill that gap because I'm honoring the Lord. Not because I just see a gap that needs to be filled. One of the mistakes that most pastors make in their pastorate is they try to be the end-all, beat-all, solve every issue themselves. So they'll, they try to do everything and they're not called to do everything. The Bible's very clear what the pastor's called to do. Pastor's called to shepherd, to teach the word. The apostles, when they were looking at the needs of the church, they said, shall we wait on tables? No, we're going to give ourselves to the study of the word and providing the word for the people. So choose up for yourselves seven men full of the Holy Spirit to go forward and do the work that God has laid out for us. Because in a body, for a body to be healthy, the body must take care of itself. My toe is not going to try to take the job of my heart. If it does, it's not going to work out very well. Toe's not a heart. When they do open heart transplants, they don't take your big toe and put it in there. You have to have a heart. Something that is made, equipped, and designed to do the job. So when we look at this concept of burning out, Nadab and Abihu, burning out before the Lord. It can't be just because there's a need. Another issue that takes place, well, I want to see souls saved. I want to see people come to the Lord. That's my motivation, and so I go. But folks, what happens if you have a ministry like Jeremiah and nobody ever gets saved? Do you have any idea how many times for a pastor you do an altar call and nobody raises their hands? If your goal is to see souls saved, what does that leave you feeling like? Failure. I failed. Ah, I was supposed to, people were supposed to get saved. Nobody got saved. I must have messed it all up. But maybe that's not either the place, the time, the opportunity. What did Jeremiah finally come to understand in his ministry when nobody would come forward, when nobody repented, when nobody changed? Basically, if Jeremiah said, God wants you to go to the right, they all went to the left. They did the opposite of whatever he said. And Jeremiah finally came to the realization that his job was to speak the word of God, not to make people believe it, Not that he was responsible for anything else, but to fulfill the call that he was called to do. Now, when Jeremiah misunderstood his calling, he was frustrated and tried to quit. But you know how he knew it was his calling? He couldn't stop. He couldn't stop. It's what he was made to do. Preach what God had given him to preach. Long time ago, I used to judge every sermon by who came up and how many people said it was good. And now that's a rough way to do things because sometimes nobody comes up and tells you it was good. Does that mean you're a failure? Man, I'd go through the whole thing and go home. Oh, Kathy, what do you think? And Kathy, you know, she'd tell me what she thought, which sometimes was not always as good as other times. But anyway, 
She would share with me, you know, hey, here's what this or that or the other. And, and my walk with the Lord was doing this up and down and, and, and feeling all this anxiousness. And then I was studying through Jeremiah and I got it. Hey, Lord, it's, not, it's my job. Lord, this is what you gave me. So I'm going to share what God gave me. All you'll ever get on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night is what God showed me in my personal study. I'm going to share it. If, it. if it strikes home, praise God, it hit me first. If it, if it misses, I don't know what to tell you. That's what the Lord gave me to share. That's what you're getting. That's it. Not more, not less. And at the end of the time, at the end of whatever's done, I'm going to say, God, I was faithful to give what you gave me to give. Whatever happens, happens. But all of a sudden, I, I had a whole lot more peace when I taught. A whole lot more peace when I shared. And I discovered I'm not running out of gas. Because it's not mine to keep float. If I got a, if I got a struggle to keep something alive, I'm wrong. Sometimes you got to let something die. When, sometimes the Lord is in something for a season and you let it run its course in that season. But if you're doing everything you can to keep it alive so that it lives, you just back off and let it die. So that God can do the work he's trying to do and you get out the way. And I always know when I'm doing it because all, I'm all gassed. I'm all wore out. I'm like, oh my gosh. Do you know when we studied the priests, they wore linen. Why did they wear linen? Because the service to God is no sweat. They didn't wear wool. They didn't get all in all this itchy, scratchy, uncomfortable stuff. It was linen, light, cool. Jesus said, all you who are heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. Didn't he? What did he tell us? His burden is easy. It's easy. We just got to be bringing God's fire. Not, not profane fire. Not fire that's from any other place. Not fire that's from anywhere else. A prime example is I've been praying for, I don't even know how long, been praying that, that God would, would help us put together some type of a, a recovery ministry here at Calvary Chapel Buell. I, got, I can't even tell you how many people come, how many times they come, how often I get asked, you know, but, you know, the way I look at it, it that it's not something that I can keep afloat. So, Lord, I need you to work this out. God, I need you to bring somebody. And a couple of weeks ago, he did. Now we're praying about a, a recovery program to help people out that's really moving forward strong at Lighthouse, really doing well at the at the Nazarene Church in Twin. God's doing some neat things, so we're looking at just taking the wheel that they've got put together, put it in place, and let God bless. Why? Because it's the work of God, not us. If it's us floating it, we're going to gas. We're running out of energy. We're going to give up. We're going to quit. If it's of God, you can't put it out. You're not going to be able to put it out. So Nadab and Abihu, guys, it's important that we grasp the concept. We don't come before the Lord with profane fire or we die. Now, you and I, we may not die physically, but people die all the time in churches and ministry because man i've been doing sunday school and and nobody's appreciating me or i've been serving in the in the kitchen or working in the soup kitchen and and i'm just running out of gas if we're running out of gas we're running on our energy god don't run out of gas 
You don't run out. Now, there's two ways we can do that. We can go into a calling that God's called us to. Like, I f- firmly believe God called me to preach the word, but I can do it in such a way as that I'm bringing profane fire and not resting on the Lord. We've got to rest in the Lord. God, this is what God wants to do. This is how God wants to move in us and through us. If you hold your finger here in Leviticus chapter 10, flip with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And we'll pick up a couple other concepts real quick before we move on through. As we take a look at Ephesians chapter 3, take a look at verse 14. For this reason... I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth and height to know the love of christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of god that's the power we got to move forward in it's a submitted power what is the first how does it begin for this reason i bow my knees to the father i submit myself to god It's not my will. It's not somebody else's will. It's God. I'm going to bow my knee to God. You can't serve in ministry of any type if you're not submitted unto God. And if you're submitted unto God, you will be submitted to leadership. God doesn't raise people up to cause a rebellion. You will never find it in the scripture. Ever. God raises someone up. They work together and function as a team. One of the greatest things I ever learned in football was we move forward based on the concept that we all move together. We are working in one direction. There's no place for rebellion or anybody's other, any other agenda. There's one agenda. God's agenda. God speaks his agenda in the church through the leadership of the church, through the board of elders, through the pastor, through the deacons, and through whoever's in charge of whatever ministry that you desire to serve in. So when we bow our knee in submission to God, we're going to move forward under that direction. Anything else, profane fire. You're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. You're going to get frustrated. Now, we bow our knee to the Lord. We have the submission before God that he would grant you in verse 16 according to the riches of his glory. Where does it all come from? It comes from the Lord. Where, does it, where do we receive it? From? According to the riches of his glory. Does the riches of God's glory run out? Now, Cole can come to me and say, Dad, I need some money for gas. And I could actually have empty pockets and he's out of luck. But if I go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need some gas. I need your power. I need your direction. I need you to speak through me as I serve in whatever this capacity is. He don't ever run out of gas. God is never gassed. Ever. He's the power. We got to be attached to that. Now, you guys all know, right? 
The enemy don't want you to be that way. Enemy doesn't want you to be tapped into his power, the glory of his riches. Enemy wants to whisper in your ears, ah, you can do it on your own. I can have a busy week, and every once in a while I hear that little whisper come in my head. Uh, just wing it. What? I don't just waste my time if I wing it. I waste everybody's time. We got to go before the Lord. Receive strength from Him. Sometimes it's a long night. Sometimes it's an easy day. But it's God's way, period. God's way, according to the riches of His grace, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His grace, that you would be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. Who gives us the strength? God. Our relationship with Him empowers us to do whatever we're called to do. Anything short of that is profane fire and like Nadab and Abihu, we're burned out. And somebody's carrying our carcass out of the church. He goes on to say that we would know what? Comprehend with all the saints the width, length, depth, and height. Do you understand what picture he just drew? He just drew for you a cross. He just drew for you a cross. That we would understand the width, length, depth, and height of the love of God, the love of Christ pictured in the cross. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When we serve, when we come before the Lord, when we come into his presence, it's all about the love of God. It's all about that. It's all about the love of God. The love of God is why I'm here. Not to see people stand up. Not to hear people say, great message. Not to see rooms filled from wall to wall and door to door and busting at the seams. If that's the goal, you're going to get burnt out. Oh, I'm going to teach Sunday school because I'm going to see all these kids memorize the whole Bible while I'm here. You're going to be frustrated. Especially if you got a Roberts in your Sunday school class. It's not going to work out so great. Well, maybe if you got one of John Roberts's, but if you got one of Jackie Roberts's, oh man, it ain't happening. Listen, if that's my goal, I'm frustrated. But if I'm there because the love of Christ constrains me to be there. I'm not burnt out. Won't burn out. Love of Christ doesn't run out. The height, depth, width, length, the whole thing, it's all about him, not me. Why do you serve? Why do you do what you do? Why do you uh, be a part of the things that you're a part of? If it's because the love of Christ constrains you, now you're not in profane fire. That's his fire. That's how we want to move forward in his love, according to the love of Christ. And then he gives this doxology. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly above all that we can ask or think. It's he that does the work. Oh my Lord, I'm, I'm struggling in my marriage. Lord, I'm struggling in this relationship. Lord, I'm struggling in that relationship. Stop bringing profane fire to him. Come before the Lord and do what you're called to do by God according to the scripture because of the love of Christ. I am to die to myself and live for my wife. Not so that I'll have a marriage that's peaceful. Not so that all the pieces of life will come together. I'm to do that because I love Christ. 
The love of Christ compels me. That's not profane fire. I come for any other reason and I can't do it. But I come because that's the fire that God's given me. When I come constrained in the love of Christ, success. Anything short, I'm Nadab and Abihu with profane fire and I'm burnt out. Folks, people in the church burn out all the time. Number one problem in the church, burnout. If that's not true, 50% of marriages in the church wouldn't fail. 50% of the marriages fail, just like 50% of the marriages in the world. Why? They get burnt out. I can't tell you how many people have come to me for counsel and said these words. I tried that. Didn't work. Well, excuse me? If it didn't work, you didn't try it. You brought profane fire. You got burnt out. You got to bring the Lord's fire because it's he that does the work. Not you. He does the work. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Who gets the glory? Nadab and Abihu go running up in front of everybody. They got censors full of strange fire. They think that they're just really going to show their spirituality. They're running in. They're doing something God didn't call them to do. And all eyes are on them. But you know what? Instantly, in a moment, all eyes got back on God. French fried critter on the ground. Nobody's thinking about Nadab and Abihu anymore. Except for Aaron. And he's bummed. Nadab and Abihu burn out. All the glory goes to the Lord. All the glory goes to God. You know, one of the harshest places to serve and worry about that stuff is in worship. Always will be that way. Always will be a test of any man or woman's mettle that worship stays about God, not about you. Now, the pseudo-spiritual, they'll come along and they'll play their I'm spiritual game. They'll have all these concepts that they've placed in place to make sure that they're not offering profane fire. The bottom line is, are you doing what you're doing for the love of Christ? I love him. Do you love Jesus? You can play on a drum kit that swings upside down. You're doing it because you love Jesus? That's what's going to come out. You're doing it to be part of a show? That's what's going to come out. You will burn out. But if it's a love of Christ that compels you, man, there's no burnout. And there's no limitation. How the Lord leads and how the Lord guides. It's never going to be about pseudo-spirituality pseudo is profane fire. Oh, I'm so holy. I'm so righteous. I have all the answers. I don't know why Jackie don't get it. Man. But that's spiritual pride. Even I don't say stuff like that. Hey, we want to come before the Lord with his fire. It's all about love of Christ. Well, let's look again. Leviticus chapter 10. So Moses said to Aaron... This is what the Lord spoke. By those who come near to me, I must be regarded as holy. The key in Leviticus, 
is you're going to hear that phrase some 80 times. I am holy. You need to get that in our, we got to have that in our heads. I don't come to the Lord any way and I don't just say whatever I'm thinking to him, neither. He's not my buddy on the block. He's God. Almighty, all-powerful. Does he forgive me when I forget that? Sure, but I should be remembering it. God is holy. And he wants us to be, what's holy mean? Set apart. I am set apart. And we're supposed to be set apart. Oh, but I don't want my kids to be different than everybody else. Well, then you don't want them to be holy. Because God says, be ye holy as I am holy. Different. Not supposed to be just like everybody else. We're supposed to be different. Focused on him, toward him. And before all the people, I must be glorified. This is what Lord, the Lord speaks to, to Moses right after Nadab and Abihu uh, are burned before the Lord. I'm holy. You come to me one way. Not a hundred ways. Not any old way you want to. You come to me one way. And that's important for us to understand. Because there's only one road that leads to salvation. So listen. One of the saddest phrases I'll see right here. And Aaron held his peace. What that must have been like. You know Aaron had dreams for his boys, right? His boys that are following him. His boys that are serving. And I'm not going to say that their, their hearts were in the wrong place. They just became an example for all time of what happens when you bring the wrong kind of fire before the Lord. But God, in essence, is going to tell Aaron not to mourn. Don't mourn. You keep serving. Aaron, if you mourn and you get frustrated, all the people are watching you. And you're going to send a signal that God's not a God of grace, that God's not a God of love, that God's not a God of mercy. And Aaron can't see it and can't understand it unless he'll look at it from God's perspective because he didn't lose his sons. They're just not there anymore. But when that day came for Aaron to go be before the Lord, I don't think he was mourning anymore. You guys know the story of Job, right? We study the story of Job, and Job goes through all these hurtful things. In one moment, all his family's gone. Seven boys, three girls. God gives him double of everything back. He gives him double of everything he lost. But at the end, he only has seven boys and three girls. What happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. He didn't lose the seven boys and three girls that went to be with the Lord. They're still there. He has double. He just won't see double till he gets to heaven. 14 and 6. He didn't lose his kids just because they died. You don't lose the ones you love just because they go to heaven. That's not the end. This not, we got to get our eyes off the fact that everything that happens in this stupid dust ball is the end-all, beat-all of life because it's not. The end-all, beat-all of life is when we see Jesus Christ face-to-face and all those people that, that we quote-unquote lost, they're still there. Only now, for eternity. No more goodbyes. So God says to Aaron, you got to see it my way. 
Got to see it my way. Don't you mourn for your boys. They're okay. They're okay. You come and follow me. So, the Bible says Aaron held his peace. Moses called Mishael and Alzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the, un- the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near and carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they had to take care of their bodies. So they went near and carried them by the tunics out of the camp. And like Moses had said, and Moses said to Aaron and Eleazar and Ithamar, now those are his other two sons. Think they're as excited about serving the Lord as they were a little while ago? That'd take the gas right out of you, won't it? But folks, the bottom line is still the bottom line. Either you trust God or you don't. If God does something you don't understand, you either trust him or you don't. There's no in-between. There's not only, Lord, I'm only going to trust you if I understand. Because that is the first words of Judas. That's the example you're following. Judas' first recorded words in Scripture is why. Do we want to follow Judas' example? We spend all our time asking the Lord why, or we make a decision I will, though he will slay me, Job said, what? I will trust him. That's how you get to see the Lord. That's how you come to the phrase like Job did, for I know my Redeemer lives. How do you know that? Because he made a choice. Doesn't matter how things look, I will trust God. You got to decide that. Either you do or you don't. There's no in-between. Well, God, I don't understand, but God, why? But, 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 but just decide. Where are you at? Joshua would say, choose this day who you'll serve. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. You do what you want. But we're going to serve the Lord. That's the road to victory. That's the road to life. The road to being burnt out starts with the word why that's going to burn you out profane fire they carry the bodies out they set them outside in verse 7 or i'm sorry he goes on uh, uh in verse 6 Eleazar and ithamar's sons do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes lest you die and the wrath come upon all the people but let your brethren the whole house of israel bewail the burning which the lord has kindled You let everyone else mourn, but don't you tear your cloak. Don't you cover your heads. You are going to give the picture that you trust me. You're going to trust me. That's the only way to get through. If God hadn't told them that, in that one day, the whole priesthood could have burned up. Would have all burned away because Aaron in his frustration and in his concern as an enemy, as soon as his sons died, what did the enemy do? He sat back and he grabbed his darts and he started throwing them at Aaron. Oh, Aaron, that's the God you're going to serve? Oh, Aaron, he didn't do everything you thought. Aaron, where's your boys? Aaron, what are you doing? And God told Aaron, you just trust me. Don't you, don't you tear. If you go where all those thoughts are taking you, you're going to burn out. Just like they did. Don't you tear your cloak. Don't you cover your head. 
You trust me. Peter, after he came back to the Lord, he's standing before God and God says, Peter, you get to do whatever you want now, but the day is coming when they're going to stretch you out and take you where you don't want to go. And John says this, he spoke to Peter regarding the way that he was going to die. He would be crucified. And Peter started looking around, Lord, what about John? And the Lord basically said, who cares about John, Peter? You follow me. You and John aren't the same. John's not better than you. You're not better than him. But your life is your life. Your challenges are your challenges. Your sacrifices are your sacrifices. And either you're going to make them or you're not. So you decide, Peter, are you following me? Peter, follow the Lord. That's how we have to do it. If we don't, we're just another statistic. I shared on Sunday morning, with most of the children of Israel, God was not well pleased. Well, statistics bear it out. 80% of the church gives up. I told you quitting's a habit, and it don't take anybody special to quit. Why do they quit? Well, God didn't do what I expected him to do. Newsflash, he's God. And if, you, if he does something you don't understand or you don't, can't really grasp your mind around, then you've got to make the choice to trust him anyway. That's where strength is. Anything short of that, we're going to fall short. Anything short of that, we're not going to be able to measure up. Well, check it out. The scripture goes on. He says now, <clears throat> you shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. Remember the anointing oil when they were being consecrated. So it's possible that this took place during their seven days of consecration. Um, you know, maybe it didn't, but it seems to indicate that. And the Lord said, you're not leaving the door of the tabernacle. You need to be here. Folks, where are the answers found? The answers aren't found out there. The, you can leave. You can throw down your Bible, say, oh, I'm never reading that again. God did this horrible thing in my life, and I can go outside. You really think you got the answers? Every, everything's better? It ain't better. There's only one place where the answers are found, and that's on your knees before the Lord. That's where the answers are. And you've got to hold on to the, not the lies of the devil telling you God don't love you. You hold on to the truth of God's word. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. It will never not be true. But Lord, if that's true, then this wouldn't have happened. No, uh, we've already discussed how we don't have the ability to see something as good or bad. So if we don't really know what's really good or bad, who does? God. Can we trust him? Yes. But it's a choice we make, isn't it? We made the choice. And that's what Aaron did. You think Aaron felt like it? I'm willing to bet he didn't feel like it. I'm willing to bet that Aaron was mad. Aaron's frustrated. Aaron's angry. He's got to deal with those problems. But he knew what Moses told him was true. And he stayed in God's presence. God's going to carry him through. It's the only place where we're going to find the strength to be what God wants us to be. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron. You see that? Prior to this, who spoke to him? Moses. But now who speaks to him? The Lord. 
As soon as Aaron made the decision, I'm going to obey. I don't feel like obeying. I don't maybe want to obey, but I'm going to obey. Who spoke to him? The Lord. The Lord's not speaking to us in the midst of our storm. Maybe we're holding in a bucket of profane fire and we're burning out. But if we'll obey and stay in God's house and draw near to the Lord, he will speak to us the same way. I've been talking in the jails all this last month, uh, month of February. We've been talking about if I will change my mind, God will change my heart. So the book of Philippians teaches us. What do we see Aaron doing here? Changing his mind. He's fighting with his mind. He's upset. He's angry, whatever. But he makes a choice to obey God. And God speaks. God's going to direct him. Aaron's going to be okay. We know the rest of the story, right? Aaron don't quit. Aaron don't burn out. Aaron finishes. Aaron finishes because he listens to the Lord. Look what he says. Verse 9. Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. You nor your sons with you when you go to the tabernacle of meeting lest you die. It will be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean. Aaron, when you come before me, I am holy. Don't come to me like like it's a common thing. You come to me with reverence, holiness, Some people, because of this verse, they say, well, that's probably what Nadab and Abihu did wrong. They were drunk. Because all the people were partying when they saw the fire come down from God. I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. But the point is, and when Abraham surrenders himself, he's obedient to God, then God speaks to Aaron. There have been times in my life where I'm going, I feel like I'm on the on the spin cycle in my front loading washing machine. You ever watch them front loaders when they're in a spin cycle? I got them dumb platforms they set on, and you make them level. Whatever. One spin cycle is all it takes to make it unlevel. And one spin cycle, what's it do? It's going to fall right through my floor into the crawl space underneath the house. Sooner or later, mark my words, I'll come on a Sunday and say, it happened. Washing machine fell through. It goes in that spin. So I got in there one day and it was bouncing all over the place. I took out the drawer and I made it level so it was just purring. I was so happy. It lasted one washing cycle. Just so you know, I don't mess with it anymore. Let the thing flop all over the place. But so when that thing spins so fast, there are some times where that's where I feel like I'm at. I'm just getting flopped around like crazy, going like crazy. And I remember calling out to the Lord, God, what are you doing? I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to do what you want me to do. And I feel like I'm in the middle of this cycle. And all the only word God spoke to me, straight to me, he said, do you love me? And all I said was, let it spin. I don't care what you do. This what this is about. I'll show you I love you. Because the love of Christ constrains me, compels me, my motivation So Aaron says, God's holy. I'm going to come to him holy. I got to learn the difference between clean and unclean, between holy and unholy. 
Why? Verse 11. That you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. We're going to teach our children they need to know God wants us to be holy. I'm not preaching do's and don'ts, what you got to wear, what you ain't got to wear. But I am preaching the concept we're not supposed to be like everyone else. We should be different. All the way through the Old Testament, the children of Israel weren't like everybody else. What did they complain about the whole time? But God, we're not like everybody else. Just like my teenagers. But Dad, everybody has tattoos and earrings and and things in their face. That's all right. You're supposed to be different. I'm supposed to be like everybody else. It's okay. He said, you teach them the difference between holy and unholy, clean and unclean. And Moses spoke to Aaron and Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons who were left. said, take the grain offering that remains of the offerings made by fire to the Lord and eat it without leaven beside the altar, for it is most holy. Remember, we talked about that. The sacrifices that were shared showed communion with God. And God said, hey, you eat. You need to eat. You're still in the midst of this process. You need to keep up your strength. I'm betting Aaron didn't feel like eating. I'm betting that, that, that he didn't quite feel like it, but the Lord says, no, you eat. It's holy. It's holy. You eat. Be strengthened. You shall eat it in a holy place because, it's, because it is your due and your son's due of the sacrifices made by fire to the Lord, for so I have been commanded. And the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering, you will eat it in a clean place. You, your sons, your daughters with you, for they are your due and your son's due, which are given from the sacrifices of the peace offerings of the children of Israel. This is your part. This is your part. Initially, God was calling the firstborn of every family to be the priest. But you remember we came to the golden calf and Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? And you remember, one family stood up. Levi, they became the priests. They have no inheritance. They receive everything they need from God. They weren't to have a special, the the land given to them like everybody else would. They would receive everything they needed from God. And that's what this is. Here you are. He's saying, Aaron, I'm everything you need. I'm everything you need. God's compassionate. You don't think God understands what it is to lose his son? The Bible says Jesus Christ was crucified from the foundation of the earth. God already knew what it was like. He's able to comfort Aaron. The fire of the heave offering, the breast of the wave offering, they shall bring the offerings of fat made by fire to offer as a wave offering before the Lord. And it will be you and your sons with you by a statute forever as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses made careful inquiry about the goat of the sin offering, and there it was, burned up. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar and the sons of Aaron who were left. And he said, why haven't you eaten the sin offering in the holy place, since it is most holy? And God has given it to you to bear the guilt of the congregation and make atonement for them before the Lord. See, its blood was not brought inside the holy place. Indeed, you should have eaten it in the holy place as I commanded. 
And Aaron said to Moses, look, this day they have offered their sin offering, their burnt offerings before the Lord, and such things have befallen me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would it have been acceptable in the sight of the Lord? And he's saying, I couldn't do it. I couldn't eat it. Wasn't in me to do it. Moses is mad at him. This is what you're supposed to do. Why didn't you do it? Couldn't do it. So what did God do? What's the next verse say? So when Moses heard that, he was content. Okay. Tomorrow's a new day. You know, the mercies of God are new every morning, right? Are new every morning. The Bible says God will not give us more than what we can bear. The Lord's going to carry him through. The Lord's going to meet his needs. And he come to the end of himself and he messed up. He hadn't finished the offering the way that was prescribed. And Moses is like, what are you doing? And Moses is afraid. Moses wants to serve God in holiness. And he's like, man, you guys didn't do it. Why didn't you do it? What's wrong with you? And in essence, Aaron says, I'm more than my sons. And it wasn't in me wasn't in me to do so would god have accepted it moses was standing next to aaron and aaron was still there right okay tomorrow we'll be on track again tomorrow we run out to the end of ourselves god is there god is there it's not about what man requires about what god requires god was still with aaron And the next day, Aaron moved forward. The next day, Aaron accomplished everything that he was supposed to accomplish. Because he didn't. Because of the love of God. And not because of anything else. Anything short of that? Profane fire. God would have took him too. But he didn't. So the love of Christ constrains us, compels us, encourages us. Well, then we come to chapter 11. Chapter 11 takes another twist. The dietary laws of the nation of Israel. Now we're going to look at them. Oh, for crying out loud, Jackie, you're trying to kill me. Dietary laws. What does this have to do with any of us? Well, you better read it. God's going to tell you the difference between clean and unclean. He's going to help you understand how to decide. He's going to teach us some important lessons about how we become unclean. You know, it's really easy to become unclean. Whole another matter to be clean. Listen to what he says. In Exodus 15, 26, he makes a promise. If you'll follow these statutes that I've given you, none of these diseases will fall upon you. And they followed it, and none of those diseases came. The Jewish population was not afflicted with the the diseases that afflicted the Canaanite people. Even when the nation of Israel was dispersed, and the Black Plague was upon Europe, do you know what people group was literally untouched? The Jews. Why? Because they followed God's precepts. 
They ate what God said to eat. They, they were clean. Well, the common people say, what's the big deal? The whole outside of my house can be the toilet. Really? that make you sick. We know that now, don't we? Well, they weren't so smart then. They thought they were. So you know what they did? Because the Jews didn't get the diseases, they persecuted them. Well, then you're the ones bringing the disease. Whatever. Stinking knuckleheads. All you got to do is open up God's word, Leviticus chapter 11. I'm never reading Leviticus chapter 11. Well, I guess those diseases are going to come on you. Pay attention to what God says. It has, it's important for us. It teaches us. The other thing that's important for us to realize is, according to Acts chapter 10, these don't apply to you and me. What do you mean? Well, because that sheet came down in front of Peter with all those unclean animals on it, and God said, Peter, arise, kill, and eat. And Peter said, no, Lord, I'm never touching none of those unclean things. And God says, what I have cleansed, do not call unclean. God says, okay now, Peter, it's okay. But then, it wasn't okay. Here's what the Lord lays out for us. Check it out. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals of the earth. Now some of these you may not want to eat. Just letting you know ahead of time. Among the animals, whatever divides a hoof, having cloven hoofs and chews a cud, that you may eat. That's the rule. Whatever divides the hoof and chews the cud, that you can eat. Oh, that's great, Jackie. How does that apply to us? You want to know the difference between a clean and an unclean? It's in the walk and what you eat. Is your hoof cloven? Is it divided? Are you separated? Or are you just like everybody else? What are you eating? Are you chewing the cud? You know, literally, the phrase chew the cud is the same as the phrase meditate. What are we to do on the Word of God? Meditate day and night. What do you eat and how do you walk? That is how you tell if something's clean or unclean. Clean or unclean. Cloven hoof. Separated. Chew the cud. Meditating. Spending time day and night on God's Word. That's how you tell if something's clean or unclean. That's how it works. That's how it works. That's what he's telling us. Listen. He says, Nevertheless, these you shall not eat among those that chew the cud and those that have cloven hooves, the camel, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves. Well, 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 God, the camel chews cud, so can I eat it? No, I said, choose a cud and has a cloven hoof. If one of those two things isn't happening, it's unclean. How you walk... What you eat. How you walk, what you eat. The Lord's given us... Does it not apply to us today? Does it not apply to us today that the way we walk will make us clean or unclean? Does it not apply to us today that what I eat doesn't change whether I'm clean or unclean? Yeah, it does. It still has application to you and I. Why would you want to eat a camel? No idea. Oh, my. He wouldn't let you ride him, so they ate him, I guess. I don't know. But it's not a good idea. And by the way, there's a really killer book out there called None of These Diseases by S.I. McMillan that talks about specifically all the diseases the children of Israel missed because of the dietary laws that God gave them in Leviticus chapter 11. Period. 
that were common among the other people, but were not, uncommon, were, were, were not common with them because they obeyed what God said. Now, why do we have to say to God, well, why, God? I really wanted to eat the camel. God said no, so don't eat the camel. Why is that so hard? But Lord, unless you give me a good reason, I feel like I'm having an argument with an eight-year-old. Why, Dad? Because I said so. Why, Dad? If you ask me that again, I'm whooping your butt. I said no. I said no. Then we come up with all those stupid things, right? Because you'll shoot your eye out. Uh, maybe you will, maybe you won't. The point is, because I said no. If God says no, why do we have to ask why? Just say okay. But in case you want to know, the camels had within it a parasite that they passed on to all their Arabian neighbors that ate camels. And God was sparing them from that parasite. But it doesn't have to have a reason. If God said no, the answer is no, period. Don't need to know why. What's the next part? Uh, the, the rock hyrex. That's a Connie, Coney, Coney, not a Connie. Connie's a girl. Coney is a, is a relative of the elephant. But it looks like a little critter. Anyhow, it, it's, it's about as close to a rock chuck as you can get, I think. Well, what about the rock? I really wanted to eat a rock chuck. Well, knock yourself out, brother. But the Lord says, uh, what about the rock hyrax? Because it chews a cut, but it doesn't have cloven hooves. Uh, like I said... Cloven hoof, choose good, it doesn't do those two things, don't eat it. He goes on. Well, what about the rabbit? The rabbit chooses cud. And then people look at it and go, oh my gosh, Bible is so stupid. Rabbits don't chew the cud like cows do. You're right. But if you look at a rabbit, what is it doing all the time? So what's it look like? Looks like it's chewing his cud. God's not trying to develop a scientific explanation for everything in life. He's just saying how it looks. Do you look at it and it's going, looks like it's chewing its cud? But the Lord's going to say, no, don't eat it because it doesn't have cloven hooves and it's unclean to you. Why? Those of us who have ever hunted rabbits ought to know there are some times you can't eat a rabbit or it will kill you. God didn't want to have to explain when they could eat a rabbit. He just said, don't eat it. Cloven hoof, chews a cud, doesn't do both. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. I like rabbit. Rabbit tastes good, but nowadays we're smart enough to know when we can eat them and not be killed by them. So that's good. What about the swine? Well, it has a divided hoof, but it doesn't chew the cud. It's unclean to you. Now, really, I don't have to tell you why God would say not to eat pig, right? You don't do it right. You have bigger worms in you than your whole body is. You think, I have discovered a great dietary plan. Just eat improperly cooked pork. And you'll have a worm that weighs 30 pounds inside your body that's eating up all the food you think you're eating. It's working great. I'm losing weight. The problem is, when it runs out of food to eat, it's going to start eating you. That's not so good. Lord said, divided hoof, chew the cud. Doesn't do those two things. Don't eat it. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. Oh, come on. Folks, you know how many diseases are passed by touching carcasses? The Lord says, if you touch a carcass, you're unclean. You know what he's going to tell them to do? Wash your clothes, wash yourself, you're unclean till the evening. 
Most other people, they didn't care. Oh, it's a big deal. They all got bubonic plague. Hey, God knew what he's talking about. This is how, this is what you are to eat. This is what you're not to eat. Okay, these you may eat of that which is in the water. Whatever is in the water and has fins and scales, you can eat that. That you may eat. But in all the seas or in the rivers, whatever does not have fins and scales, in all the water that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. What did God say? It's all about how they move through the water. They have fins and scales. What's the water? Ephesians chapter 5 tells us the water is the word of God. For you and I, it has application. We only want to be around those things that move through the Word of God properly. There is a way to move through the Word of God. There is a poor way to move through the Word of God. The point is, He didn't want any bottom dwellers, any bottom feeders. God said, don't eat that. Don't be around bottom feeders. Don't be around all that junk. Most of us, at one time or another in our life, have become unclean because we hung out with bottom dwellers, bottom feeders. We think, oh, I'm holy and I'm clean and I'm going to lift them up. Do you have any concept here that that doesn't work? I'll prove it to you it doesn't work. I'll prove to you having something clean next to something unclean does not make the unclean clean. If you have a child with measles, you don't take a child who doesn't have measles and rub them up against them. Why not? Because if I rub a child without measles with a child who's got measles, the child who doesn't have it is going to get it. Oh, you mean that which is unclean can infect that which is clean? Yeah. So God said, be ye separate. Be different. Come out from among them, God said. Don't be like them. So he tells them they can eat fish, but it's got to be fish. That means no shellfish. Oh, God, lobster's so good. Yeah, well, you better know when and how to eat it. Because if you eat it at the wrong time, you can die. So God doesn't want to explain that all out. You get, uh, what is it? What am I thinking of? Red tide. Red tide infects all the shellfish. If you take shellfish at the wrong time, red tide will kill you. Make you sick. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, now you know. So that's how it happens. So listen, God doesn't want to explain all that to him. He says, don't take it. Just don't eat it. Just eat what's safe. Do I have to have a reason? Nope, just enough to listen to what God says. Oh, here's another one. Verse 13, and these you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are uh, an abomination, the eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the kite, the falcon, the... Every uh, after its kind, every raven after its kind, the ostrich, the short-eared owl, the seagull, the hawk after its kind, the little owl, the fisher owl, the screech owl, the white owl, the jackdaw, the carrion vulture, the stork, the herrion after its kind, the hopo, whatever that is, and the bat. In case you were just thinking, man, I was going home tonight to have a big old fat bat stew. <laughs> now, those people who have problems with the Bible, they look at this and they go... See, I told you the Bible is so lame. It included a bat with birds. A bat is not a bird, is a reptile. It's not a bird. Oh, but you see, what you don't understand is the Hebrew word for bird literally means that which flies. And last time I checked, bats flew. So 
Bible is not wrong. It is, in fact, very clear. It doesn't want you to eat birds. But listen, it's kind of an interesting thing. When Elijah was following the Lord and he was hanging out by the creek and there was no food, you remember what fed him? Ravens. Ravens. You know what that says? That God will use anything in your life for your good and his glory. Even the bad things? Yep, even the bad things, right? Even the bad things God will use for your good and his glory. It's all about what the Lord does. And by the way, Elijah didn't eat the ravens. So, the point. We go on. Uh, In case you were wanting to eat bugs tonight, all flying insects that creep on all fours will be an abomination to you. These you may eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours. Here's what you can eat. A locust, the destroying locust, a cricket, and a grasshopper. So if you were going home tonight and having grasshopper stew, you're in luck. It's great. It's clean. It's clean. We're going to stop there. We'll keep going through next week. But listen, here's the point that God's making. He's dividing for us. There's a difference between what's clean and what's unclean. And as we continue on, what you're going to see is everything that's clean becomes unclean by touching that which is unclean. Now, it's not all about the diet. It's all about the concept. That which is clean becomes unclean by touching that which is unclean. Be ye separate. Come out from among them. Don't stand in a bar drinking all the time because you have the freedom to do so. You're going to become unclean. I had a friend, last thing that I'll share with you, I had a friend, his whole concept... Well, he was a pretty strong Christian, traveled all around the world, went to Russia, did all these cool things. He comes with this idea. He's going to go reach into this young girl's life who's all caught up in meth, and he's going to get her out. Well, you heard the story 10,000 times. Instead, he got into meth, started selling meth, started making meth, started cooking meth, got caught with a, a lab cooking meth, went to prison. Come out of prison, struggle with drugs for several years, getting out of prison, trying to get clean, failing, falling back into problems, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, give his life totally committed to the Lord. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't say, you know, my ministry is going to be to reach out to people with meth. I'm going to go help them out. No, he learned his lesson. That which is clean becomes unclean by being with the unclean. Come out from among them. Now, he did minister to people who had problems with drugs. But you know what those drugs did to him? They wasted him. They wasted him. He's with the Lord today. One day, his organs in his body all just popped. That's how it went. But from the time that he had after he got things straight, he learned a lesson. The lesson was... I can't hang out with all the unclean and stay clean. It won't happen. Come out from among them. Well, how do I minister to them then? I shout to them from the other side of the street. Hey, get out of there. Come over here. Come on in here. Let me tell you about God's word. I'm not going out there and pulling a needle out of nobody's arm. You want to slam dope? Slam dope until you just run yourself into the ground, die with a needle in your arm. You want the truth? You've got to come out from among them. Be ye holy as I am holy. Amen? Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for the truth of your word, for the call that your word has to call us into holiness. Lord, our desire, Father, is it's not to come before you with profane fire, not to try to make this place exactly like the world. It's not the point. We're not like the world, not supposed to be. We're supposed to be holy, set apart, come out from among them, different. So let us revel in our difference. Not that we would come to the point where we would look at those who are unclean as those that cannot be touched or cannot be helped, but that we would recognize it's only done through the power of Jesus Christ and because the love of Christ constrains me. That's the only way. And it's done by then coming for help. The pig that is happy wallowing in his mire is not going to follow me into church. It's just that pig who has hit bottom and is done and is ready to come out from among them. He we are able to help. Father, help us to recognize the lessons that you're laying out for us. The difference between clean and unclean is how you walk and what you eat. Are we walking the walk? Are we walking the walk that Jesus wants us to walk? Are we holy? Are we separate? Are we different? And what are we eating? The Bible says that we're to meditate on the word of God day and night. You cannot saturate yourself with enough of the word of God. Every morning, every night, every opportunity to study, every Bible study you can be a part of, everything that there is that we can do, God, that's what we need in our life. Help us to see that. Help us to understand our ability to be clean is dependent on our ability to stay as close to you as we can be. And Father, when it's all said and done, Lord, it's you It's all about you. We come to you one way in holiness and reverence, drawing near unto you, God, as you move among us. Help us realize you're everything we need. And it should be enough that you tell us to do something without having to understand why's. That our faith is founded on fact, not fiction. It should be enough that we trust you. No matter how something looks. So fill us, God, with your fire. Fill us with your strength. Give us your wisdom. Equip us, Lord God, to walk the walk and talk the talk. To eat that which is good for us. To come out from among them and be holy as you are. Father, help us as we seek your touch, your guidance, your deliverance in Jesus' name. Amen.